jump right into this thing. Oh my god, where's my communicator? Foreign life forms ahead. Ah, oh, sucking noises, proboscises hanging all over the place. We're talking about aliens. But you know what we should be talking about, Gare? War. War? War is hell. Am I right? I mean, that's the famous quote. You, that is Ulysses, the famous quote. That Ulysses? Ulysses S. Grant, John Sun Patton. Sun the art of alien war. The art of <laughs> alien war is hell. <laughs> I'm sorry. Welcome to Roll and Move, the internet's only podcast that takes a look at some of the worst board and card games, party games, basically any sort of game that we happen to have on us at the time. And we break it apart. We see why it works, why it doesn't work, but more importantly, why it does not work. And we uh, <laughs> review it for you guys. Uh, I am your first co-host and founder of Rough Draft Games, Thomas Sugarberg, and with me here as always is... Garrett Lively, and I've just discovered a worse mechanic than Roll and Move, so... Really? Yeah. Can't wait to hear about that one. <laughs> <laughs> and with us here, too, is... Jeff Lee. This game is out of this... Man, I uh, after playing this, <laughs> I just wanted to really read uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, because it reminded me that I have not... I've not... I've not seen it yet, or not read it yet. I haven't done that? anything with that book yet. Yeah, you haven't... I don't read, but the movie was great. <laughs> <laughs> the movie's awesome. It's such is a cool classic. Is that why you always make me read the rules and explain them to you guys? Yeah, because it's yeah. gonna take ten times longer if I read it. So <laughs> it's for everyone's benefit. I'll just wait for the movie version of the rules if you if you try to get me to read anything. So you don't even need you don't even need a movie version. But the reason that we're talking about aliens. And the reason that we're talking about war is because today we are looking at what, Garrett? Oh man, today I have found, stumbled upon the Oppenheim Toy Portfolio's Best Toy Award Gold Seal, Alien Hot Shots. Holographic First Edition. The War of the Numbers, a card game for Earthlings 8 and up. I'm pretty sure the title ends Mm -hmm. at Hot Shots, but all that's listed there on the box, so I'm going to go with it. Um, That's really cute. Earthlings yeah. eight and up, you know, because it's a it's a it's an alien themed game. Got some nice box art there on, you know, that you're looking at. Very intergalactic, very very diverse species wise. Well, I, well, you say that, but it it is an exclusive game because only Earthlings can play it. So. Only Earthlings Ooh. can play. What do you yeah, guys yeah. think, uh, aliens? How do you think they age? You think they you think they age like a lot slower than we do, or I think they age like milk. Probably turning into a cytoplasm. Super and, fast, uh, yeah. It's <laughs> they become sentient beings within like mm-hmm. two minutes of being born, and then they yeah. die within five minutes. But within those three minutes, they're super smart. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the second that their that their ectoplasm touches uh, any sort of atmospheric pressure, they immediately they just they just inflame up. They got to start taking some turmeric shots if they're going to be <laughs> yeah, able to retain that. In the- <laughs> In the universe somewhere. I always love, like, whenever I post hypotheticals, the balancer in me wants to give them, like, something really OP and then something really, really stupid. Like, they're really mm-hmm. smart, but they only live for five minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like a really funny no. game of Super Fight. <laughs> I like that. that a Super Fight expansion pack that uh, gives handicaps to the uh, to the people yeah. would be, it'd be a lot of fun. But you know what we're not talking about today? <laughs> a game Fun that's games. as good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I do. Well, there is a little treat here with Alien Hot Shots that we don't get with most of the games we review here on Roll and Move, and that is mm-hmm. a little bit of backstory, a little bit of flavor text. Um, so Ooh. 
If you guys don't mind, I would love to tell you about the Alien Hotshots universe here. Please. Yeah, give me that Ameritrash. Let's go. <clears throat> Story mode. In the year 4560, an interstellar war broke out between the evens and the odds. To win the war, <laughs> the leader of the evens invented a secret weapon, the Odd Eater, a being that lived in deep space and could gobble up any odd number. To fight back, the odds created their own weapon, the Even Eater, which was just as powerful and could gobble up every even number, except for the two. The two was so disgusting that even the Even Eater wouldn't go near it. Teams of scientists worked to find more powerful and exotic weapons with special powers. The space germ was created, a dreaded danger of space travel that could infect all aliens except the number four, which had special medicine. Powerful plustoids and minosaurs orbited the planets, waiting to help their favorite side. Flying through hyperspace, aliens on both sides avoided being sucked into the vortex of the evil black hole. Win this game and bring peace to the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> They, they, it's... I wouldn't say win the game. I'd say mm -hmm. weather the game. That'd probably be a better way. Just last through the game. It's probably so much way. backstory. What was Tolkien's book that just filled the backstory of the Lord Some of the Rings really universe? Or really oh, yeah. yeah, that ain't got nothing on this, Jack. <laughs> We're talking about this guy created like the world of Star Wars here, and we get to be a part of it. This is and on one game on one rule sheet too. Impressive. I, re I, I really love that it's all just set up, and then the last two sentences are flying through hyperspace aliens on both sides, avoided being sucked into the vortex of the evil black hole. Win this game and bring peace to the galaxy. <laughs> it's just like... Wrap it up. You, yeah. you know what I also realized here, Garrett, is that the... Uh, mm -hmm. the So it said that the even sides had uneatable twos. Yep. So the evens just have a straight-up advantage. Because I would agree. There is no... Like, if you get an odd number... I mean, it's not like the odds could use uh that it's not like three is uneatable you can eat an odd number well, yeah. was there a, so the, was, the four yeah. the four is germ proof so you can't play mm -hmm. the uh the the germs on it i don't remember what it's right. called yeah Space two germ. is objectively better <clears throat> and then two, two poor, can't be eaten. And there, i don't think there's a one card there's yeah because the, they nah. would lose every fight right and yeah yeah so and then well, okay. I don't I don't know what the I don't know what the split of the cards is. Maybe they balanced it by that, but I'm not gonna take the time to count the cards. Yeah. But well, to me, what's to really funny it. is it, similarly to Twilight. You know, it tell it kind of tells you, oh, like there's gonna be this epic battle. You might choose a side, and there's a balancing between evens and odds. But at the end of the day, we play on both sides. So yeah, you're utilizing both cards. Right. But, but before <laughs> before we go into the rules. Essentially, this is just war. Spoiler alert. It's the exact same thing <laughs> as war. It, Thomas. Uh, but as soon as, soon as we go, before we go to the rules, my OCD is kicking in. Let's see if we can do a little bit of backstory on this company, where this game came from. So, Garrett, when was this game published, right? Let's take it back to the beginning. Let's take it back all the way to 1998, when I believe Settlers of Catan had just come out or was about to come out. And mm -hmm. the industry was just craving a reboot of the war. <laughs> it's a, hey, I, you know I'm, you I'm, might. I'm tired of this strategy I'm tired of this interaction this player interaction this trading you know mm -hmm. These, let's go back to the classics let's go back to the classics let's get a let's let's retheme war let's add some you know what you know, you know what else war needs they need a little bit of more random layers more that you can't affect whatsoever so that's that's what that's what the industry was wanting in that time back in 1998 um, <clears throat> a little company called Oppenheim Toy Portfolio was established mm -hmm. back in '89, and you know they they give out awards for 
various uh, various games. And so this one got the gold seal, which is their second best award. There's the platinum seal. Um, I noticed that they labeled it as a toy rather than a game. Like, and yeah, I, I kind of wonder what it constitutes. They probably didn't have a board game like subset mm-hmm. award or whatever at the time. I wonder if they do now. Yeah. So to be they clear, the Oppenheim organization is the ones that graded this thing and gave it the Toy of the Year award, but they're not the publisher. They're not. Game Right is our publisher, and I believe uh, they have gone on to do some pretty great things. Absolutely. They have. Yeah. Yeah. What, what games were you finding on their website when you were taking a look at like Game, game Right's current portfolio, Jeff? Uh, yeah. So for those of you that have loved Pandemic, that same creator... Um, I think Matt Leacock ended up mm-hmm. going to or helping GameRight create Forbidden Island and the whole Forbidden series. So there's Forbidden Island, uh, Forbidden Desert, and then Forbidden Sky is the new one. And if you played mm-hmm. that, those are great games, very much like Pandemic. There's a co-op and uh, it's a co-op kind of mechanic, and then you gather up uh, elements to end the game or mm-hmm. win the game, and you have to all escape at the same time. Um, but yeah, and, and it's like a shorter version of Pandemic and pretty much captures the same essence. And um, that and then Sushi Go. It's another you know quick fam- family friendly game, um, super easy to play. Drafting. So they, th- yeah, and, and there's a drafting, drafting. mechanic to it. Mm-hmm. So they they have put together some really solid you know party games, um, and even in their sort of uh, their age range that they're looking for. Um, mm-hmm. But you know this one is far from you know far from what they're where they are today. So. Right. They've really done a good job of diversifying their portfolio in the present day because have, they have the strategy games like Forbidden Island and Desert, which you mentioned. And then they have party games like Sushi Go. And they also have stuff like Go Nuts for Donuts. And I think it's a really interesting thing to point out here because Go Nuts for Donuts started on Kickstarter and it meant like a uh, $24,000 uh, benchmark in order to become a funding success. And what they've done is, as the years have gone by, they are starting, they're starting to scout out different successful Kickstarter products and then back those with publisher support, right? So they're finding, they're finding more indie games that they can cor- incorporate into their fold so that they can, uh, they, they can essentially have all of the, all the different types of board games that they, they could want. They even have like story cubes that they sell on their website. They have story based, like choose your own adventure card games. Like they, they have done an extensive amount of coverage when it comes to the types of games that they're offering. But if we compare them today to what they were back in 1998, it is a black and white difference. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's funny is, um, my guess is what happened is they made some money off, you know, making board games at the time. They're big enough to to publish certain games, and it seems mm-hmm. like they're doing a lot of the um, designing in house. Um, the the two founders of the company, uh, Monty Stambler and Ann Stambler, um, of uh, they're founders at the time. We didn't we weren't sure if they're still part of the company today, but the founders of Game Right. Um, mm-hmm. It seemed like they designed uh, Alien Hotshots, which is a game we're reviewing today. Um, but further on along that line, they stepped away from the game design and ran the company more like, uh, you know, the, the publisher that they are. Right. Um, and kind of let other people do, do the designing. And that model has definitely been a lot more <laughs> successful than them trying to design them themselves. Yeah. And I, th- I think that was a good move on their part because a lot of their early games are pretty poorly rated on Board Game Geek. Most of them are just variants of other games that played. But I mean, I, I'll hand it to them that like the the creators of the company were designing their own games before. I think they might have sold the company because now Game Right is owned by I don't know how to say this company's name C A C O C A C O. 
Um, but they were bought out, it looks like, by some sort of a larger jigsaw puzzle company that wanted to get into the board game business, and they did that through Game Right. So I'm not sure if their recent decisions are a result of Cieco or because of the way that the designers of Alien Hotshots stepped back and said, hey, mm-hmm. we keep making <laughs> we keep making really <laughs> bad variants of card games that have been around for 600 years. Let's not do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, TL's, TL's points there and just kind of backing those up. You know, some of the things in this game are, are kind of good. And, like, you can definitely see they're heading towards the route that they would or, you know, the path that they would eventually end up on. Um, like, we all kind of love the artwork in this game. We kind of think, you know, it's different and unique and, um, you know, is, is very thematic for the Alien Hot Shots theme. And, you know, they... I talked about like they incorporate these other elements that on their own would kind of be good, but because it's a game of war, like you don't have any hand in it. Like they add little wrinkles to the game of war, but again, the game is war. So you don't get to, you, you personally don't get to interact with those little wrinkles. They just happen. So you feel like, you know, if they kind of move some things around and they added some, some player interaction, which, you know, they do later in their life, Mm-hmm. They're on the right path, and and you know you can kind of see that from this game, um, if you if you distill it down to all of its elements. Maybe it's thematic to war. Maybe it's just oh everything's so unpredictable. <laughs> I have no control over anything, and this is just well, destiny for me. Mm-hmm. Well, in that case, that's not the game I want to play. <laughs> so now that we've gotten to sort of talk about war, and I, I'd like to talk more about the wrinkles that you just mentioned there, Garrett. But before we get to do that, you got to open the box for us. You got to open the box in the box. Yeah. It's in the box, Gare. So we got a nice uh, small box and inside there's just a little cutout, um, a little plastic tray for you to fit your deck of 108 cards, I believe. That is something I feel like Game Right has kept going on since. So if you guys own uh, Forbidden Island or anything, any of the newer games, the the game boxes are usually pretty small and they they tend to pack a lot in a a small container. So Uh, I'm sorry, 55 cards. Um, 108 might be spoiling something for a future episode. Uh, there are 55 cards. <clears throat> um, of those cards, so I actually just went through these, and we, we were talking about the evens and the odds and like which had the inherent advantage. Uh, so there's not a 1, there's not a 3, there's not a 9, and there's not like a 4. Or Sorry, there's there's 2, 4, 5, 7, 8, 10, 11, and 12. So like those are the numbers. So there's no 1, 3, 6, 9. Why do they choose weird. those numbers as opposed to... Because all you need is are numbers that are... You just got to go in a line, right? So I'm wondering why they chose to omit those specific numbers. Is it to match up their story? Because I feel like the story was written after the game, why, most I, likely. I think... Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, considering the game is war, I would agree with that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think... I, I would have to do some digging into this and do some math, but I think it's an attempt to balance it. I think it's an attempt to make the evens and the odds both equally powerful because there's like there's the like seven has the most cards like there's like six or seven seven cards and mm-hmm. then there's like four two cards and then like five twelve cards um mm. so i i'm gonna assume it's an attempt to kind of balance it and make the even the odds both equally viable like we were talking about like clearly you know if it was just a straight line the evens would be more powerful because 12 is the highest card um mm-hmm. two can't be right. eaten four is is got the germ medicine or whatever one is the weakest by default yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm just uh, with no basis whatsoever give them 
the benefit of the doubt and say they did that to balance the evens and the odds and good good on them. But but that doesn't make any sense because like I I just don't understand because their main mechanic of winning the game is who has the higher card. The only reason that they have to balance evens and odds is because of their <laughs> stupid the their yeah. stupid story yep. that they tacked on to. Right, and, and, which and doesn't so this do goes, anything the, for the game. Right. Then this goes back to like they had you know some semblance of a direction they wanted to take. They just didn't have all the tools they needed to pull it all together. And I think mm-hmm. like that was kind of a pointless decision to assign the war of the evens and the odds in this game, because it, you know, in, in the end it, it doesn't really matter. Um, if, if they gave you like, you know, Jeff was saying like, if they, if you took the sides of the evens and I took the sides of the odds, maybe, maybe you could incorporate that a little better, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, mm-hmm. So anyways, there's 38 alien cards, which are your numbered cards. And then there's 16 power cards, which are your odd eaters. Um, they eat all the odd cards. Um, your even eaters, which eats all the even cards except for two. Um, a card called Space Germs, which makes um, everybody play another card. And it paralyzes all the cards everybody already played. Um, some Plustoids, some Minosaurs, which add plus one or plus two or minus one or minus two to your cards and then black holes, which makes everybody discard um, cards on top of their deck into the box. And so they're taken out of the game. So, so we're like, like I said, um, and the rules are war. So we, we can just skip that section of the, uh, the podcast, but basically, you know, you incorporate these power cards and then you play war. And so you just, you go based on that. So like I said, it's interesting that they added, these wrinkles because like it is interesting like for example the black hole is a mechanic that uses the game uses to dwindle the deck it, it speeds up the game because every time the black right. hole card comes mm-hmm. up the everybody's deck gets smaller and so it's driving the game towards a conclusion which is inherently in, in my mind a good mechanic the problem right. is it's it's just not no one's implementing it it just it just happens like this game is a simulation right there's no strategic sort of decision to do it mm-hmm um, your even and your odd eaters are, are, are cool. And the fact that two is immune to it is cool, but it, it's just a matter of like, Oh, thank God I drew the two. It's not like, let me stack my deck and put twos in there or let me, um, choose to play this two or should I play the two now? Cause I know he might have another even eater. Um, so there's no strategic decisions. So it's got these wrinkles, but they're just kind of out of place because it, it, it's like adding wrinkles, but to, to no control, you know? Right. Right. And, and to quote, to quote King of the Hill, <laughs> Peggy Hill, I believe, said this, that there's two things that people love. Mm-hmm. They like spinning the wheel and making a choice. And those are really the two key elements of, I think, game design is a little bit of chance, mm-hmm. but also with some consequences of your own of your own making your choices that you make. This game is almost all chance. The only choices that you get to make are win you want to use your plus one or minus one cards that you can sometimes collect during the game. Correct. And that is it. That is the only choice that you get. Nine times out of ten, those cards do not even matter because some of the cards are so disparate and the distance that they are apart from one another that that choice will essentially mean nothing. Mm-hmm. Or if someone else has collected those cards, because there's a lot of those cards in the game, like I had them and then Jeff also had them, so they just cancel each other right. out. Yeah, effectively taking the only choice mechanic and throwing it into the garbage. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I I watched you play this game for me, Garrett, and within <laughs> ten minutes I was done. And I think I gave you I had maybe ten seconds of input on your decisions. 
mm-hmm. and on on your actions, which is really a, a pretty big problem with the mechanics, in my opinion. It's a great friend simulator, right? You can just play it by yourself yeah. <laughs> and just hope and just kind of <laughs> pretend that there's other two other people playing with you. Mm-hmm. I uh, also... So- so yeah, I think we all kind of agree on that point, but I want I wanted to say so like the designers left a little note and Imani Stambler here. Um mm-hmm. from, uh, no, unfortunately no. Ah. But they did put their name to it, so I'm gonna assume it's from them. Uh word from GameRate. In this game we wanted to play with the ideas of space travel. Is there life beyond <laughs> Earth? What would it be like to fly? Yeah, we would too. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to play with those yeah. ideas. <laughs> The gameplay is a fun introduction to the ideas of odd and even and the strategic importance of deterrence. We hope you will be inspired to go and visit your local library <laughs> or observatory what? to learn more about space. Or observatory. <laughs> the local observatory. Yeah, have you guys been to the Woodstock, Georgia Observatory? Um, the Stamblers <laughs> Right down live, the road next to the Waffle House. The Stamblers live in Boston where they're experts in child development. And then there's a note right next to that that says, how can the game be simplified for younger ch- children? Remove all plustoids, <laughs> minosaurs, even eaters, and odd eaters. And so I love that. How bit. young they're, do they want to go? They're saying with play this war. Thing. They're saying play the normal game of war. I know. Can you count to point. twelve? You can play the game. But I, I, I love that it's like the, the their note there is to introduce the value of even and odd, and we and we all just talked about like there's a little bit of that with the pluses and the minus the plustoids and the minosaurs where you get mm-hmm. to make the decision. But other than that. It's just, I mean, it, I guess it can kind of be a learning tool where like, oh, the even eater came up, Cheryl, pick all the cards that are even, you know, but that, you know, that's not a game in, in my right. mind. If it's a learning tool, whatever. And that's not what we're reviewing. But then there it says, if you want to simplify there. it, yeah. if you want to simplify it, if you, if you don't want to teach anybody that just get rid of all those cards, <laughs> so then, then you can just play war. My, um, um my favorite sorry. mechanic oops in that game was there's like a, there's a plus toy and a minus toy. And if you have like, say a plus two and a plus or minus two, they're essentially mm-hmm. the same card because <laughs> especially in a, in a one-on-one situation, I can play plus two in mine or minus two in yours is the same result. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, I thought yeah. that was hilarious that, you know, they, that they had those two in there. Um, yeah. Yeah, when you have sort of an attack defense mechanic or you're just trying to... Because, Garrett, you noted the same thing when we were doing Small Soldiers Big Battle, is that if you have armor plus two or attack plus two, like one or the <laughs> same other... Same thing, yeah. And it, it is the same thing because it's, it's registering the same... The same uh, the qualifier that you're trying to examine mm-hmm. between the cards, yeah. higher or lower. That's yep. it. Right. Yeah, and usually if they do that, there's some sort of caveat. Like, you can only apply this to you or you can only apply this to other people or only, you know, there's... There, but. If you can apply to everybody, then what's the yeah. difference, right? So yeah, yeah. I just wanted to jump a little bit into so like we're we're talking about this game, you know, aimed clearly it's aimed for children, which you know, which is okay, and I, and we're not above that. It, we're just kind of talking about you know where they could have you know because because you can take family games or you can take introductory games and give them to children and and they right. can still learn a lot of these things. Um, so I don't mm-hmm. think that's necessarily an excuse for some of this stuff. So um, what I wanted to quickly. Uh, touch on which we've we've we mentioned briefly was the Oppenheim toy portfolio uh so you mentioned earlier Thomas that um basically you watched me play this game for you and you gave you know 10 seconds of input when you needed to make the one decision in the game right um so I I I jumped over to the toyportfolio.com um and how we choose uh, the criteria we use in evaluating products and you know they list all the things they do um, and giving this seal, the gold seal, or the toy award. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them are, is the age label correct? 
That's like the old getting like what three hundred points on your SAT. Writing your name, your name at the top is the packaging impossible <laughs> to open. Uh, so, so. Wait, is it impossible to open? Oh my god! How is this a t- the evaluation of a toy? I'm just I'm, gonna... I'm, I'm I'm not saying it's hard to get the stamp. I'm just saying you know here are some of the criteria. But my favorite <laughs> one, my favorite one, uh, is item number two. Does it invite active doing and thinking, or simply passive watching? Whoops. And so I, I think that is a great little, and I, you know, this is their website from, you know, I'm looking at it here in 2019 and this game came out in 1998. So, you know, right. maybe they added that afterwards, but it, you know, it is a bit ironic that this game, there's almost, almost no all critical passive thinking. watching. There's <laughs> very, very little critical thinking. And yeah, this game is, I mean, war is passive watching. It's a simulation. If anything, mm-hmm. It makes me wonder, like, if that award is specifically aimed at, like, children under a certain age. Uh, so they go up to teens. Um, and, and so, oh my God. yeah, they actually, they actually split the award up, um, or not the, maybe not the award, but they split their website up into, uh, infants, toddlers, preschoolers, early school, teens, and tweens. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, the, the, the age group that you want to. Yeah, there should, there should be different categories for sure. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like you're saying, like, pa- the passive watching thing. As a teen, it's unacceptable for a game. Um, sure. But maybe when you're a kid, you know, like when we were playing War as a kid, it was kind of interesting, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, like well, learning you know, a little it, bit about mechanics and it's not too right. super complicated from a strategic standpoint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd also got to say the uh, the art doesn't look like it's for kids. It looks a little horrifying. But, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Jeff, tell them a little bit about the art. What, what were you saying about the art? I was saying the art like? seems kind of like a mix between like, uh, you know, you've seen those like retro. Um, it's 1960. Here's what the future looks like kind of thing. Uh, like yeah. artwork. It kind of reminds me of that. It reminds me a little bit of if. There was a um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy comic book. Um, mm-hmm. Art kind of reminds me of that. The aliens are like, they're not really humanoid. Um, they look, I mean, I think the art's awesome. It's like definitely a throwback um, to. Oh, do you guys remember the, it, it's very 1970s-esque art, um, mm-hmm. like just with the colored pencils of it and the 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 lining the line drawing on the uh on a lot of the cards is very it's almost trippy is mm-hmm. my, uh, an adjective that I might use but do you guys remember the my teacher failed the planet like those those yeah. books that yeah, yeah, yeah. I think popular. so yeah they had a very similar art style to this in that it was almost like it looked more like a colored pencil sort of a cover and for some reason I don't know if it's what they made the cover out of but there's always sort of like this yellow tint to it where it doesn't age well <laughs> at all. Yeah. That's that's sort of what I'm looking at when I'm looking at this box is this very freaky looking creature colored in uh, color. Some pencils. of the art kind of reminds me of um, like all the children's book from art from that era in the 90s, like um, where the wild things are. Like it kind of reminds me of that. Like it's kind of like this weird. It's something about the shading or something. It looks like kind of mm-hmm. realistic, but you can tell it's fake or you can tell it's cartoony. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I personally like the art. I don't know. It's just because, like I said, it, we kind of grew up in that era where that was used in a ton of books, um, mm-hmm. children's books. And it, for some reason, it was kind of nostalgic to me. And um, but yeah, otherwise, you know, the gameplay wasn't great. But, you know, I felt like the artwork was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I thought the art was good. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I, I think it it's, you know, you mentioned it's a little bit scary. But, I, you know, looking back on the 90s, I mean, if you think of like Powerpuff Girls or like cow and chicken like it was grotesque back in the 90s where like 
I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you didn't love yeah, it, but I'm, I thought it was I'm great. saying like kids that were eight years old in '98, mm-hmm. you know, playing this game, were also seeing like Cow and Chicken or I Am Weasel, and you know, they saw like you know just straight up butts with like hairs growing out of them, you know. So or I, like I Ren think, and Stimpy, think, or yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, yeah. there's definitely the grotesque cartoon drawings, and, and this is this is tame. Near that this is level. very yeah. tame in comparison. So yeah. I, I think you know, 2019, yeah, maybe this is a little spooky for for the eight-year-olds of today but th- back in 98 i think the art was perfectly yeah. acceptable for eight-year-olds hmm. okay well do we have any sort of online consensus for uh for a game like this like what is what does the general community think of alien hot shots has it aged well, well what does the general community think about war i think that's a good place to start because <laughs> it's the same thing um steven glenn gave it a five which, for the record, a five on Board Game Geek is take it or leave it mediocre. Um, I feel like that's he gave high. it a five. Well, he mm-hmm. said makes war almost playable. So I, I you know, I just don't know yeah. if that review lines up to the. Name. I always like finding ones that kind of concur with our um, our diagnosis of the game. So um, E J C H eighty. I can't really. I don't know. H eighty. Uh, set from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Said a jazz up version of the card game War. Kind of like Eric said. Uh, nicely themed to appeal to young gamers in the early. I think he went to meant to say aesthetic stage, or he wrote asthmatic stage in the early asthmatic stage. So I don't know if that's right, but uh, yeah, he gave him he gave the game a five point five, which I, again I think it's kind of high. Another person, uh, Sugar Plum, gave it a four point five. Said children's game ages six to twelve. This is the card game war, just with a twist and wonderful card art. Yeah, I see. I see quite a bit of people talking about the card art, and I mean, mm-hmm. it, it seems to be a consensus that everybody likes the art on this. So we're not the only ones. Here's one. One by uh, Toe Todd. It just says, War. What is it good for? <laughs> Gave pretty it a five, existentialist. Though. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a pretty lengthy review here um, from Christine Dor- Doran. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, Christine. Um, pretty pretty lengthy. She goes through how to play, what you like, what you don't like, um, what's in the box. Um, but going down to the bottom of it, she talks about the age, age range, which is... You know, kind of, kind of what we were talking about is, as is often true of games, particularly of game right games, in my experience, the age range on this one is screwy. The box says for ages eight and up, if you want your child to get the most out of this game, eight years old is almost way too late. Educationally, this game is ideal for a first grader. The play is quite simple, and the math concepts are just right for that age. I would say most six to seven year olds could benefit from this game and have little trouble playing it, even if they have no idea about odds and evens. Yet they can easily be explained and illustrated during the gameplay. So that's kind of what we were talking about. Like that's a really good point about the window of when this game would become interesting. You know what's mm-hmm. funny? A, I found that yeah. like some strategy games too that we've played um, that are super complex. Like it'll say like ages twelve and up. Like I think Betrayal and House of the Hills like that, or maybe there's some other like more complicated mechanical games. And I'm like, really, twelve? Like, I don't. I would not be playing this yeah. game at twelve. It's like really difficult to sort of grasp. For mm-hmm. like, um, I, maybe Spirit Islands like that too. But it makes me wonder. Like, they probably they're probably really good at guessing in the middle, but like everywhere in the edges, they're like really terrible at like figuring out who the game's <laughs> right for. Um, yeah, I feel like yeah. yeah, game game ratings are sort of like sometimes they sometimes they do the game rating based on the maturity of the game. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Like if you yeah. if your cards are going to be more adult, they, that might factor into it. Into it. Yeah. But other times they do the age ratings based more on the mechanics. Right. So I feel like it's hard to tell whether or not a game is basing its rating on the maturity of the content, 
or the maturity of the mechanics. Yeah, but it seems like either way, sense. if you're putting out a complicated game, um, you would you would assume that they would raise that number up either one way or the other. Either it'd be high because there's adult content in there, or high because it's complicated, or low because of both. Um, but like some of the games that we've either either they're not that hard and I'm an idiot or they're actually <laughs> difficult and they misrated it. But yeah, like some of the games, um, they usually, I, I usually see like 12 and up and it's like, yeah. like, holy crap. Like I would not, you know, it's not an adult I game. Feel, I, I feel like the mechanics are just way out there for a 12 year old. I, I feel like that they have to do that because yeah, if you put agreed. like 15 and up, nobody's going to buy it. Oh, yeah. they, they'd say, Oh, that's, this has inappropriate content in it. Yeah. The, right? Yeah. Maybe there's because an implication they would around see, it. They'd see that. And then the consumer would think that it's inappropriate for other reasons right. rather than mechanics. Yeah. Um, because there's not a separate mechanics rating. So we're just, the consumers are having to lump both of those pieces of information together and before they decide to make the purchase. And so that's, I, something's getting lost in translation. Exactly. There. Yeah. 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 So what, here's here's one more um, uh, board game geek rating that I love. This person, Liam DS from Australia, gave the game a seven. And here's the here's a, the comment that I really love: "Good game, but frustrating when you run out of cards." <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when I lose. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> I thought I was gonna win. <laughs> Pretty good review, but ah man, what can I do now? <laughs> oh, that's perfect. All right, so maybe I think it's about time that we go into our perspections on. Uh, <laughs> our old I think it's about time. The old perspections got them mesmerized. Um, <laughs> I think we go into our perspectives on this game. I'll, I'll, I would like to lead off if that's okay. Go for it. it um, I think that this game, the game's art is very nice. I enjoy it. I enjoy the retro style. I, I, I've always enjoyed that weird colored pencil style art. However, I think that there's a significant problem with just war in and of itself and reskinning that with the the alien theme. I don't think that reskins of classics can't do well. After all, AVP, I think, is one of my higher rated games. However, it's like I was saying earlier when it comes to choices and chance, right? So with AVP, there was a lot of chance to that game with the dice rolls, but the results of the dice rolls went into your decisions as to whether or not you wanted to raise your health or use that whatever dice roll that you had to attack your opponent. The choices mattered more in that game than they do in this game. And honestly, that makes sense because they're targeting the game towards children. But I think just like you pointed out, Jeff, the age group is not right for the children that they're purportedly trying to target. And I think that, in my opinion, with the uh, with the misdiagnosis of their target audience, in addition to the general lack of choice for the age group that they say that they're going after, it just doesn't make for good gameplay, and it just doesn't make for a good game. I would probably give this one maybe a maybe a two, because I there was nothing I could do. The only reason I'm grading it that high is because of the educational value that it might have to younger children. But that's it. I would agree with almost all of those points. Uh, the one thing I, I just want to mention a couple things we didn't we didn't talk about too much in depth on the podcast. Uh, some pluses for the game, real quick. They did include a little um, what do you call the cards? A uh, little reference card for you in the game. Um, some weird scenarios. Uh, it gives you some standouts for a three player game that might come up. Like if you get two an odd eater and an even eater and a, and a two, like who would win. 
Um, they do have a little FAQ in the back of the rules, and the rules are nice and concise. Uh, I kind of blew through the rules section today. but So those are some positives that I just want to throw out for the game. Um, but my general overall impressions is kind of what we were talking about, is they had a lot of like threads of good ideas. They had a lot of beginnings of good ideas, and, and I just don't think the implementation was there. Um, I think this game could actually be made into a pretty good game if you like changed it into a deck builder or to a, a drafting card game and then you played war you know like if you had some say on the cards that you got mm-hmm. um you could definitely turn this into a good game like some of the mechanics are in there just the overall implementation of playing war over these mechanics completely kills it um I, and i feel like i feel like you're being too generous though because like you're saying oh i'm not are... i'm not, not going to give a generous score so I, I, what i'm saying is like you have to completely overhaul this game to mm-hmm. to make it to, serviceable. to make it to yeah. make it playable or to yeah. make it a game even like yeah. it's almost not a game it, it is just barely a game in my book because of the <laughs> of the plus the, the plus doids and the minosaurs like it is just on the cusp yeah. of what i would call a game barely um, it's yeah. it's like you know, eating a eating a dinner, and you're like, this hot dog could be really good if it was a steak. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, a yeah. total yeah. overhaul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like I'm introducing I, you to the mechanics I, of eating, right? And so I I can't grade it based on those ideas that could be there that they were almost onto. Um, so I have to go to a pretty low score, and I'm and I'm gonna go lower than you. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a one. I was gonna actually give it lower than both of you, and I'm gonna stick with that score. I'm gonna stick with my guns. So um, yeah, I I. I appreciate what you guys are saying. You know, it's meant to, it, it did a great job sort of introducing some of, um, some of the mechanics to, um, to maybe the younger audience where you might have decision making, you might, you know, there might be a little bit more strategy in the game, but like you guys have been saying, it's almost an entire simulation, but I, I almost wanted to offset it with the art, um, because the art was so good in my opinion. I mean, it was simple. It was clean. Um, it was quirky and fun. I, I thought the, I even thought the story was really fun for the theme. Um, but then again, it didn't incorporate any of those into mechanics. So like it kind of missed there. It could have done a a little bit better job, but they wrote out a whole story for it, which is, you know, much more than we've seen in some of the other games that we've played. Um, yeah, I think all in all being said, it was really close to not being a game for me. Um, I'm going to give it a 0.5. Damn. Oof. Yeah, if is that they, is lowest, if Garrett? they had lo- 20, 24 is 24 is my lowest. You, you guys I give both it a zero. Give it a zero. Yeah, okay. I think if they had lowered the age, I could I could be a little bit more I, on board with. I I absolutely agree. Yeah, with that. if they lowered the age to six or seven, I could I could give I could that. give it a little bit more leeway and say okay, I'll give it a better 100%, score. Hundred percent, because then you can use it as a teaching tool. Like both yeah, exactly. Kids that are eight should I I, I believe I, I haven't been in school for a while, but uh, I believe kids that are eight know what evens and odds are. Right. Yeah. So where does that put us at, Gare? Uh That gives the Rough Draft Boys average a 1.17. Boys, we are so much lower on this game than the Board Game Geek community. They gave it a 4.7. We are three full points below that. Those um, folks on the internet, they're getting too soft, man. Yeah, yeah, getting I know. too soft. Wearing those nostalgia goggles. Well, they it, see the award, and then they just go high. That, yeah, it, well, it's, it's right funny. there on the box. I agree. It's funny because we were reading through those reviews, and like, nobody liked it but they were giving it a higher you know they're giving like fives and fours which is mm-hmm. like take it or leave it or we'll play if i'm in the mood or not so good but i could play it again and we're kind of like no nah, i'm never gonna play this game again so right you know, <laughs> yeah um, yeah but there you go and by the way pick this up three books at half price books three books three bucks half price books three half price books <laughs> try it one more time I'll price you those half price it. books <laughs> no, how gonna, much uh, price would a half price book if a half price book was price 
I can't wait till. So here's a little fun fact about us over at Rough Draft Games. We're going to be at South by Southwest this year, not with like a booth or anything, but we're going to be there. <laughs> that we know, you know, of. maybe doing a little bit of networking if 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 we can, if we can somehow shovel it in there. But most of the time, it's just going to be us. I mean, we can bring a booth. Games. It just won't be what you guys expected. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm setting up a booth at my apartment. You guys feel free to stop by. Just at the corner of. <laughs> South Lamar. But Garrett actually picked up some really good board games from Half Price Books that I'm very excited to play. We're going to be doing a a nice rendition of this podcast where we're all in the same room and uh I'm I'm very excited for some of the some of the games that Garrett managed to uh, snag. Any hints for uh, the folks I'll give at home Garrett and board games? Um, yeah. yeah, so we've definitely got a snack-based game, a game that's based Ooh, on good. a uh, you know, a mass-produced snack that you may or may not be familiar with. Uh, we definitely have a game coming that is based on a major motion picture, Ooh, and okay. I'll give you a hint: the <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the uh, the creator of this board game, the publisher of this board game, um, gave us the classic episode "Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King." So, if, Ooh, you, if you go back, Rosart, go, go yeah, uh-huh. Return of the King, baby. There I hope is. it's another Lord of the Are Rings. Are you starting to set it up now, or is it going to take you three <laughs> hours? <laughs> Start working on that paper mache. Side note: I started setting this game up this morning, and I was like, "There's no way we can." Oh play my this game god, over, they're so bad at that. So I, uh, well, it wasn't a time thing. I was just like, I realized we couldn't play it over uh, over, over webcam. They're so just like, I'm I'm saving that one for you when you boys are in town. Gameplay yeah. one to two hours, but really it's like seven <laughs> hours, but not worth. So if you would like to ask us about any of the other games we're going to be playing over the next few weeks at South by Southwest or uh, at any other time. You are more than welcome to hit us up at Rough Draft Games on Twitter. We love talking to you guys about any and all things bad board games and any and all things good board games as well. If you have any good photos of yourself and some alien cosplay, you want to send it our way to get it featured on this <laughs> week's page, Rough Draft Games uh, Roll and Move podcast. Uh, make sure you go ahead and just shoot us an email, roughdraftgames at gmail.com. And lastly, come on down to roughdraftgames.com so you can abduct some of our content and probe around on our All Rise game that's coming out later this year. You guys saw that box art that Jared's been working so on? So good. Course. I'm excited. Dude, it's a good team. I'm very excited to post it on Instagram where hopefully people will think it's pretty good. But I would be remiss if before signing off, we did not beg you guys on our hands and knees Please give us five stars on iTunes if you haven't done so already. Every single rating helps. It helps us with the algorithms and uh, helps other people find out about the podcast. If you want to tell your friends about us, clue them into what we're doing here at Roll and Move. We would be more than eternally grateful because it helps uh, helps spread the word and helps uh, get us a, a nice little kumbaya community going here. This is what we're really trying to do. That must be the balance mechanic. Five stars is OP. So the odds are... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right it's you know take it or leave it that's just for us you know board game geek score mechanics in place <laughs> but until next time war what is it good for absolutely, absolutely nothing. nothing or at least not an alien yeah. <laughs>